Welcome to the Boardman Christian Center Podcast. This week, we will hear from Pastor Bill Wilson on Stronger in Tests. Now here is Pastor Bill. Not only are you in the house this morning, but the Holy Spirit is here to speak to you and your needs. Amen? Welcome back, everyone. Listen, I got some great news. Last Sunday, last weekend was Easter Sunday, right? And uh, we had uh, the count of people who were in the building. Easter weekend was over a thousand. Isn't that amazing? That is great. You say, are you all about numbers? Yes, I am. Because every number represents a person and every person matters to God. And uh, it's not just about the person sitting next to you, it's about the fact that God loves that person next to you. Take a look at them, see what God likes. Go ahead. Some of you are surprised, I know, but it's okay. Hey, would you join me in prayer today and through this week? Because as most of you are aware, I oversee the state of Oregon for the Assemblies of God. I'm called uh, the superintendent by some lead pastor by others, bishop by some, and uh, hey you by others too. So, uh, but we meet tomorrow, we begin tomorrow. We are excited, we have one of our largest ordination classes. Uh, there will uh, be uh, a time of ordination and credential recognition amongst our ministers. So church leaders come from all over the state. We'll be meeting in Salem. And so tomorrow is meet and greet. There's about 62 are coming that are fairly new to Oregon and we give them a 30,000 foot view of the Oregon Ministry Network, let them know what's available for them so nobody should go through ministry alone. And then also uh, we have uh, some workshops, we have some uh, business that we take care of, and uh, we have a great missions emphasis. In fact, our mission speaker is gonna be your mission speaker in a couple of weeks, and I can assure you won't wanna miss uh, what the presentation will be uh, in, in a few weeks. So would you pray with me? Um, this is a, um, I wouldn't say heavy, but it is a, uh, uh, a heavy responsibility. So we'll put it that way, I guess. Heavy in the positive sense. Uh, I, I can tell you this, don't miss next Sunday. Do not miss next Sunday. Very important announcement will be made next Sunday and you'll wanna know all about it. So be here in time for the whole service. James chapter one is where I'm gonna read in just a moment. Uh, it's interesting when you speak as a pastor and prepare, you recognize that for some, this is a reminder. And for others, it's a, what I call a revelation. And in fact, you say, well, I haven't heard that before, but I trust that all of us will hear something we've known before and are reminded about, and also something that we maybe perhaps never considered or never thought about before. And I honestly believe, and I don't say this lightly, it's not a, a ploy to move you in some way, I'm just here to say that in this service, God is going to do something for you. And he's gonna to speak to your heart. He is gonna make a huge impact upon you. And for some, for some, this will change the, the direction of your life and that God will meet you this morning. If you've come and said, Lord, I need you to speak to me, just listen for the next few moments and see what God says to you in this very crazy time that we live uh, what does the Word of God say? I felt this has been interesting because I didn't anticipate so many new series of messages that I would uh, need to be preparing for this setting, but 
I felt God spoke to my heart a few uh, weeks ago to say, I'd like you to introduce and uh, take as far as you can uh, the people of Portland Christian Center through the book of James, one of my favorite books of the Bible. Uh, there are some books of the Bible that I have to read slowly, and then I have to think about and pray, Lord, help me understand what you're saying. And there are other books like James that you don't have to read so slowly because it's pretty plain, it's pretty clear, it's pretty straightforward. So I want uh, to uh, jump into James chapter one, and if you have your Bible on your electronic uh, device, you can pick it up there, you'll see it on the screen. If you have a, uh, a written Bible uh, or a printed Bible like I do, I would encourage you to uh, open it up there and follow along as we read through some of the opening verses of James chapter one. I wanna ask you a question though, right from the get-go, when you think of the strongest person when you were a kid, who was that person? Who was the strongest person that you think of when you uh, were a kid? Perhaps it's a family member. Perhaps it was a friend. Perhaps it was somebody from the WWF. Maybe it was uh, a, a coach. Uh, maybe it was some athlete or a neighbor or something that you always, I mean, that person is really strong. And I have to be very honest with you. The first person that came to my mind was my cousin, Donnie Bob. That, that was his name, Donnie Bob. He's about four or five, maybe six years older than I am. Donnie Bob, in my view as a kid, uh, was always the strongest family member that I knew of in, in our family. Donnie Bob uh, was uh, a football player. Donnie Bob was tough. He was loud beyond the norm. He was loud in his words. He was a farm boy. He, uh, he was, it seemed in my view, to not be afraid of anything. Uh, he was bigger than life. He worked on old trucks all the time. He rode a Harley. He was the oldest of three brothers. He never lost a fight. And uh, my remembrance of Donnie Bob was he caused a lot of fights. In fact, he did it for fun. He, he was a bully at times. He loved to get me in a headlock, take his fist and rub my head until I said give. That was Donnie Bob. Donnie Bob also called me a city slicker. Now it wasn't that I lived in a big town, but we had indoor plumbing and he didn't. Um, <laughs> our town had some signal lights. His town had no lights. Uh, our town had an A&W drive-in. Do you remember those? Yeah, I mean, that's A&W. I dreamed of the day that I could go on a date and drive my girlfriend through the A&W drive-through or have the girl come out on skates and put the uh, tray on the window. I know some of you in this generation today have no idea what I'm talking about. It, it just, it was fun. Um, the closest thing to it would be uh, Sonic, maybe. Maybe you might find that. There's a place up, Burger something up by Northwest University. They still do that kind of thing. I, that, so he called me a city slicker because we had those kind of conveniences. Donnie Bob. He was a real mountain man. Here's a, here's a photo of him. I don't know if you uh, put that photo up or... Do you see the family resemblance? <laughs> That's Donnie Bob. But then I got serious and I started thinking, okay, who were the really strong people in my life? And I realized it wasn't physical uh, fortitude or strength that I should consider. How about the people who came into my life who were wonderful warriors of the Lord? 
And I immediately, immediately thought, not only of my family, because my parents were wonderful, strong believers and pastors and so on, but I immediately thought of a lady who was four foot ten. She was not like Donnie Bob, who stood like this, but four foot ten. And, and a, a wonderful lady who we would consider a prayer warrior. In fact, I didn't know a lot about her life. I think she went through some really rough seasons. I, as far as I never met her husband because I, I think he must have died early on in life. But she helped teach our youth Sunday school class. And she did not dress like a, a young person. She dressed like a really, really, really old person. And I don't know that how old she actually was, but she looked really, really old. But I want you to know, when you needed prayer, you went to Mrs. Osborne, little four foot 10 Mrs. Osborne, because she knew how to pray. And this church has been full of wonderful people. I was thinking this morning of Don Diggs who went to be with Jesus. You know that every Sunday when Don Diggs was alive and attending this church, he would meet with a group of leaders and pray. And uh, he perhaps prayed for you personally. Last time I saw Don was at a prayer gathering of pastors. And I have a picture on my phone of him leaning and praying. And that's the kind of strong people we need in our lives. They know how to touch God. And in fact, they practice the scriptures that found in Ephesians chapter six and verse 10 when it says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Now I wanna just say something. In the day that we live, we need strong faith. Portland Christian Center needs to grow in its faith. Not in our programming, but in our faith in God to do something that he has not done yet and he wants to do. He needs to help us be strong in our faith. And so I come to these words, that, and I feel like the word for the Lord, from the Lord for us right now is stronger. And I want to talk to you for a few moments, if you allow me to just speak to you. Will you allow me to speak to you for a few moments? That's good, because I'm going to do it anyway. So hey, here we go. I want to talk to you about being stronger in tests and trials of your life. Stronger in tests. Here, listen to the words of James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greeting. Sounds good so far, right? Now look at the next verse. Consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Boy, did that change real quick, didn't it? From greetings to consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because, verse 3, you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, James is the writer. God downloads to James and inspires him to write. This is a letter, if you will, to believers. And James knew what he was talking about when he wrote these opening lines. Perhaps you know that the writer of James was the natural brother of Jesus. His parents were Mary and Joseph. There were other children in the family. We know for sure that James was the brother. But James was not a believer. He was not a devoted follower of Jesus in his early years. Uh, Christian humorist, perhaps you've heard of him, Michael Jr., does a bit, and this is what one of his lines. How would you have liked to have been James? 
the brother of Jesus. How many of you like to heard your parents always say, James, why can't you be more like Jesus? And he goes on. The reality is that James had an encounter with Jesus after the resurrection. So here we are seven days after the celebration of Easter. And we can think according to 1 Corinthians 15, that James is one whom Jesus went to personally after the resurrection. And James became a believer. He became a fully devoted follower of God. In fact, he became the bishop of the great church in Jerusalem of all the believers. So you had this great spiritual revival you can read about in Acts chapter two. A church is raised up in Jerusalem, primarily of Jewish believers now and some, uh, some Gentiles. And James is elevated to be the bishop, the pastor. But during that time in history, much like today, there was a huge attack upon Christians because they were falsely accused. The emperor at the time had lost political clout. He was trying to think of a distraction. It sounds just like today. What distraction can I bring to the political forefront that will get their eyes off of me and on somebody else? Because I'm not doing a good job. And so the emperor tries to burn down a portion of the city. And he blames it on the Christians, saying they're trying to revolt. So the, the Christians are scattered now, and this is why James writes what he says to, in verse 1, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. The church is pushed out because of persecution. And actually, that was part of God's plan from the beginning. He wanted us not just to huddle here. He wanted us to go out into the world and preach the gospel. So in these opening lines, James is addressing these first recipients of this short letter of believers who've scattered, he wants to get a word to them and he wants to encourage them to stay strong in the tests of life. Stay strong in the tests of life. How many of you like to be tested? I loved going to class the first couple of weeks and finding out all my new friends that were gonna be with me. And then when it came to midterms, <clears throat> we used to have other names for it in college, it was terrible because nobody talked to anybody and everybody was locked away trying to get ready for the test. None of us like tests. A student told a professor that he didn't feel he deserved a zero in the exam. And uh, the professor said, I agree, you didn't deserve a zero, but that was the lowest grade I could give you. <laughs> and sometimes I feel that way. Tests are not always easy. Here's what we know. Look back at verse two. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That's a line that probably some of us wish wasn't in the Bible. And I've never equated, we have several joys, women who are called joy here, and the joy here in the front row is my joy. And uh, we never truly equate joy with tests and trials, right? We always think of happiness and in and excitement and fulfillment with joy. But here he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And I can hear some of you say, are you kidding me? After what I have been through in life, you're thinking that I should have full joy? I lost my job, I should be joyful about that. A member of our family died prematurely because of a illness. My mother was just diagnosed with cancer. 
We had a miscarriage and we were hoping for children. My boyfriend or girlfriend just called me up or texted me and told me it's over. My kids won't talk to me anymore. We put a bid in on a house, our dream house, and it fell through. I went to the local fuel station and had them fill up my tank. Now I don't know if I have money for food. Our family's going through a personal conflict. Some are not talking to each other. I didn't get the scholarship I was hoping for so I could go to the college of my dreams. And I'm supposed to be joyful about all that stuff. Listen to what it says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Notice it doesn't say if. It says whenever. What I've discovered is that every follower of Jesus Christ will have moments in life, and perhaps you're there right now, uh, where you're going to face some tests. Collectively, as a church, we've faced some tests over the last several years. And in more recent months, we have been walking through a season of transition, and there have been moments when we have felt like it's really uh, hard. It's heavy. It's it's not what we were hoping for. In fact, uh, uh, there are times when you think, is it worth going through this? And the answer is yes, yes. I, uh, as you read through James chapter one, you'll come to two key words. One is test, another translation uses the word trials and or temptations. James talks about temptations a little further down in the chapter. And I wanna just explain the difference between the two. First of all, tests are allowed by God in your life. Tests are allowed by God in your life for this purpose, is to build you up, to build you up, to make you stronger, to uh, make you more mature and complete, as the scripture says. Temptations, however, uh, don't come from God. As the scripture says here, God doesn't use temptation. He doesn't use evil and tests. But temptation comes as an attack of the enemy. Why? Because he wants to break us down. He wants to break us down. So tests and trials are intended to build us up. Temptation is to break us down. Don't confuse the two or it'll make no sense to you. God is after our maturity and character building. Temptations bring misery and failure. God is after helping us learn to stand against the wiles of the devil and temptation is of the devil and he's trying to get you to stumble, fall, and fail. So he says here, consider pure joy my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, today's a very special day in our family because today my dad celebrates his 94th birthday. And last night we had a Zoom call. And the funny thing, I was telling the staff earlier, dad, I, I don't know what, it, I hope I will learn this, but dads still like to tell their kids what to do. So we're on the Zoom call and uh, my siblings are there. And uh, I'm probably the more verbal. Uh, there's a sister that's pretty verbal too, but I'm probably more verbal than the rest of them. I get that after my mom, I think. And the rest of them are a little more reserved. But then Joy says, my Joy is, says, well, the reason is because you always talk more than everybody else. You don't give them a chance to speak. Can you, does that make sense to you? Is that, all in favor say aye. All opposed, no. I got a few friends over here, thank you. Come on up. I'll get a hug from you afterwards, kind of get me through it. So, um, but my dad is 94 years old, we're on a Zoom call, 
And there's like 13 other relatives. He lives in Southern California. So 13 other relatives that are all gathered around, my cousins and uncles and so on. And my dad's the oldest of the Wilson family right now. And he is telling me when to speak. And then when he's done talking, uh, he feels like the conversation's over. Then he tells me, okay, Bill, go ahead and lead us in prayer. Like nobody else can pray, I guess, but I just had a smile. I, did, I didn't, I uh, just said, you know, when you're 94, you can do whatever you want to do. You can tell your kids, even though they're 70, they can do what they need to do too. It's just hilarious. And then he said before we got off the Zoom call, now, Bill, you will be calling me tomorrow night, right? And I said, yes, sir, I will, I will be there on the, I'll be at six o'clock, I'll call you, I'll call you. So when my dad was 42 years old, my mom and dad moved from California to Seattle, Washington to take a church. They had only been there for about four months when on June the 20th, 1974, my parents received an emergency phone call that my sister Mary, who is three years younger than I, and some of you know this story, so it's a repeat, but for others, you may not know the story. My parents received a phone call that my sister was in an automobile accident hit by an Amtrak train crossing a track that had no signals, and they didn't see the train, and they didn't hear uh, the whistle. There was some question whether there even was the uh, normal alert with the train whistle, but in any case, they were seriously injured. There was initially, uh, my brother-in-law was told that my sister was killed in the accident. The only way they knew she wasn't killed in the accident is they brought the wedding ring from the ICU room to my brother-in-law to identify if that was my sister or someone else in the car because there were fatalities in the car. And my parents were just getting settled in this church and they get this horrible call and uh, hundreds of miles to get to, to Stockton, California on a hot June day. And um, Joy and I were pastoring in the Bay Area in uh, Hayward, California at the time. I was just getting ready for a big youth event that was gonna happen and we were getting everything set up when the sister ran into the sanctuary and said, your sister's on the, on the phone. And my younger sister, Kathy, who I had been with all my siblings the day before. So this was kind of really strange. She came and said, uh, there's a call from your sister. So I went in there, I said, what's going on? She said, Mary was in a serious accident and uh, is in uh, comatose state in the hospital, county hospital. That really changed the direction of our family's life in some ways and left us with an awareness that we were faced with a test that we had never really gone through as a family. And when I read these lines, I, uh, I, I can't, but help remember those moments as you are, thinking of moments when you have felt tested under the pressure of a trial and what it has done in your life. Now look at verse two, it says, whatever you face trials of many kinds. James is being used by the Holy Spirit to help us take our faith, I confess my faith in Jesus, and now bring it into real life when we are faced with something that doesn't make sense to us. How many of you have faced something that doesn't make sense to you? Many of you here. Some of you I know your story, some of you I have no idea. But when you were in those moments, you realize that your faith is being tested. Do I really believe that God's got his hand on this chapter of my life? Do I really believe that God is in present in this situation? 
Where are you, Lord? Uh, is there some, something that, I, that I'm not getting here? And in the midst of our trials and tests, God proves himself in different ways. So that's what we know, and here's what we are to do. Look at, look at verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, and there's been many times when I've prayed this, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But look at verse six. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. The person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because they... Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, most of us can tell when somebody is under pressure or going through a test in the person's countenance. You can read, I see it often, as you do, when when you're in a group of people or you see somebody for the first time and you can say, That person has the joy of the Lord. That person is going through a really tough time in their life. And and so in variety of conversations, you're aware that people are going through. So whether you're a believer or not, you're going to face tests in life and trials. You're going to go through hard times and difficulties. But how do you respond? And let me suggest from James's outline here that here's some basic ways to respond. Number one, Place your life fully in God's hands. Make sure that you fully place your life in God's hands. Now look at back at verse 1. In the opening line, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. James is reminding us here that there came a moment when he put his his life in the hands of God. Confession of that out loud is really important. To confess that God's in control. Lord, you're in control of my business, you're in control of my family, you're in control of this situation, you're in control of my life. That's the first place to begin, he says. A moment when we need to ask, is God in control of my life? Am I trusting him? God uses, listen to this, God will use tests to get your attention sometimes. You have just been going along on your own and just feeling like, hey, you know, I got this, God. And then all of a sudden you run into something and God has your attention, right? And usually when he has your attention, he wants to address something in your life. Perhaps it's an attitude. Maybe it's an action. Maybe it's a habit in your life. Whatever it might be, he brings uh, you to a point where he now has your attention. This is a great time to say, okay, do I trust God in this? Am I fully trusting him? First, uh, I'm going to give you another scripture, Psalm 910. Psalm 910. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. God has never forsaken you. Listen, God has never forsaken you when you've trusted him and sought his face. You may be in the diff- most difficult trial of your life right now. Your dreams have been dashed, but according to this, If we trust him and seek his face, he will see us through in that respect. So the first thing that I would say in facing a trial or a difficulty in your life or a test, and you're going to all face them, is remember this. 
Place your life fully in the hands of the Lord. Second thing he says from this text is pray about the test that you are facing. Pray about the test. Look at verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without fault, finding fault, and it will be given to you. It's interesting that we can be slow to pray about everything or something, but when we have a test or trial, what do we do? I better ask God about this. I better pray. It's a good habit to pray all the time, but I want to suggest to you that when you are faced with a test and the test you're facing right now, pray about it. Put it in the hands of God. Seek his face. Uh, Let him help you. Sometimes this test wakes us up to the fact that we need to pray more earnestly. We need to seek the Lord. And I, have, I applaud all of you who have taken time to pray for staff, pray the church through this season of transition, to uh, pray for family members and loved ones. And, and there was an announcement this morning, we pray for that family of the loss. And we just pray that God will help us in this time. And if you're in a business situation that's not going well and you're not sure how it's gonna turn out, I wanna encourage you to just give it to the Lord First of all, give yourself to the Lord. Secondly, pray about it. Ask God to help you. A friend of mine, just comes to my mind, a friend of mine went through a serious surgery, surgery at uh, Meridian Park uh, earlier uh, last year, and um, uh, it was very serious and, and uh, could have died. But he said, one thing that comforted me is when I, when I, uh, the doctor came in and said, we're, uh, Greg is his name. He said, Greg, I'm going to take you into surgery. And he said, um, I, I know that you're a believer. Would you mind if I pray over you before we go into surgery? Now, how many of you would be happy to have a doctor pray over you? Now, either the doctor doesn't know what they're doing and they're asking for prayer, or <laughs> you are thrilled that God is in the room. And the doctor said, listen, I am a surgeon. I've done hundreds of these surgeries and I know this is serious, I need the Lord's direction to do the right thing. And Greg said that when he came out of surgery, the doctor said, God help me. Gave him a verse of scripture. Greg went and had it framed and put it on the wall of his office because he wants to remember that that surgeon prayed about a test that was before him. You know, you can do a lot of things many times, but it seems that sometimes those things come to you and you realize, I've done this many times before, but now I I really need God to help me do this again right. I don't want to mess this up. And every Sunday and every Wednesday that I've been coming here, I've prayed every time, Lord, get me off I-5. But I've also prayed, (laughs) I've also prayed as I've stepped in here, Lord, help me to get this right. Help me to get this right, because it is a test. It's a test. And most tests we don't sign up for, except for our driving test. Wasn't that fun? Wasn't that fun? You don't want the driving instructor to say, I think this uh, driving test is over prematurely, right? You want it, so Lord, help me get this right. Pray about it. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 
So I was, uh, I serve on a national board, I guess that's the best term. I'm an executive presbyter for the Northwest, which includes Wyoming, Montana, Washington, Alaska, Oregon, Idaho. And uh, so individuals who serve in that oversee, and we have hundreds and, of churches and credential ministers. Well, I serve on the national board that has like 22 of us that serve on that board. And uh, I'm from the Northwest, of course, so that's, that's the position I have. And we go through a lot of stuff all the credentialing issues, uh, forward in faith kind of moments. And uh, earlier this year, I was sitting in the room with these wonderful people, godly people. Our national leaders are some of the finest godly leaders I've ever met in my life. And I'm sitting there with them and I'm impressed with all of them. And, and our general superintendent, Doug Clay, spoke up. He said, I, I need to share a, a serious concern with you. He said, uh, there has been a lawsuit that's been filed against the Assemblies of God in, uh, in Springfield, the National Church, um, from a, an event that happened about five years ago, a tragedy that happened five years ago. And um, the, so what happened is it was uh, a tragedy. It was settled in a lower court, and there were $23 million in the settlement for, from insurance and that region of uh, the East Coast in Florida. But there was a legal group that has trolled, you know what I mean by trolled, looked for cases like this and decided that they would go after the Assemblies of God general counsel and were suing for multi-million dollar situation. Now, it was gonna be a trial by jury and Doug was burdened by this, and he said, listen, what happens in this courtroom will affect not only the Assemblies of God in the future, but religious freedom in America. And I don't know if you realize that religious freedom is under attack in America. I don't know if you catch that or not, in, in your, uh, in maybe in the way you hear things. But churches have been challenged. You know there are some incorporated cities that do not allow any new churches to be built, buildings like this. Uh, Portland might be one of those that would be really a tough place to build a new building for a church per se. And if allowed, it may be only a small little postage stamp that would be allowed. So Doug is really burdened and he reveals to us all these details. And then there was a deposition of one of our executive officers that was going to have to fly to Florida and uh, be questioned in front of a jury. And our prayer was, Lord, you, you've got to solve this. Remember this, there's already been a $23 million settlement. But these trollers wanted to go after the general counsel for multiple dollars more. This is a test of a lot of stuff, a test. And the jury was not going to be told, was not going to be allowed to know that there had already been a settlement. Now, isn't that interesting? They were not going, that information was going to be withheld from the jury so they wouldn't know that there had already been a settlement of this case five years ago. But now they just wanted to open this up again. And I remember Pastor Doug said, would you pray with us? We earnestly. Do you know what I mean by earnestly? That's like we really get serious. We, we shout. We call out to God. We're not just like, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord. We're saying, God, we know you're powerful. This is a test. 
of the, uh, 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 the legal system. This is a test of the church's freedom in America. Because if, it, if the Assemblies of God goes down, then every other church family in America is gonna go down. They're gonna be impacted by this decision, Lord. And then he, after we prayed earnestly, he said, I'm asking you to fast and pray for the next couple of days and uh, we'll let you know how the hearing goes on Friday. I remember Friday morning that week, that was Tuesday, flew back to Portland. Friday morning, I got a text and this is what it said. We're letting you know that the case was settled, the judge stepped in and said, this does not make sense. And there will be no deposition and no hearing by jury and everything will resolve and it was resolved. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> now what's that got to do with you? It has a lot to do with you because the Bible says that when we are in moments of uncertainty, we are to call upon God and ask him to help us. Give us a download of wisdom how we should respond. Uh, sometimes if you're like, I don't have all the details. I wished I had every single detail. And I love what Pastor Rick said some months ago when he was preaching about being in the military and carrying a backpack and running. You didn't know if you're gonna go five minutes or five hours. And he said, I just had to set my sights on the next corner because around the next corner, if that is, I think that's what you said. I don't wanna put words in your mouth, but it was, I just run to the next corner and then I'll run to the next corner and I'll run to the... And in prayer, there are moments when you don't see what's around the corner, but you are praying, Lord, I'm in a test and I need your help. And here's what it says. It says in the scripture, he says, uh, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously. Hallelujah. He gives us generously. Here's a third thought to keep moving along here. And that is not only to pray or place your life in his hands, but and to pray but to praise God in advance that he will see you through. Begin to praise God in advance. Look at what it says. Let's perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What gets your attention most? Troubles, tests, trials, temptations. When things are not going, that gets your attention. That gets your attention. When, when uh, a class isn't going well for you, it gets your attention. When there's some tension in the marriage, it should get your attention. Amen, brothers? Amen, brothers? Okay, the Lord's working on you, so okay. Sometimes we have a casual attitude about life. We're complacent, and then a trouble comes. It gets our attention. How do we respond? We place our life in God's hands. Secondly, we pray about it. And thirdly, we start to praise God in advance, even though we don't see the answer. How many, how many parents have told me, I've, been, I've visualized my children serving Jesus, and I began to praise God for it, even though they weren't. And months or maybe even years later, guess what? They're serving Jesus. They remember that moment when they began to praise God for something that was not visibly seen, it's called faith. Michael W. Smith wrote a song, and I just heard this, this last week, I didn't know this, I love the song, and we'll sing it in a moment. That in his darkest moment of struggle and depression, praise rose up in his heart, and he began to sing this song, it's very simple. This is how we fight our battles, he said. This is how we fight our battles. It looks like we're surrounded 
but I'm surrounded by you. This is how we fight our battles. It's called faith, and in that moment of faith, we are turning our test into a testimony. We're turning our burdens into breakthroughs. How many of you need a breakthrough this morning? I feel like some of you need a breakthrough today, and I believe that this is the day that God's gonna give you a breakthrough. A Scottish minister by the name of William Barclay wrote these words. This, the, he wrote this, it is not simply the ability to bear things. It is the ability to turn them to greatness and glory. The thing which amazes the heathen in, this, in the centuries of persecution was that the martyrs did not die grimly. They died singing. It impacted them. So I place my life in the hands of the Lord. I pray about the test that I'm facing. I praise him in advance he will get me through. And if I can give you one more thought, and then I'll wrap this up, I'll plan, plan for something good to result from this test. I'm gonna drop down to verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because they have stood the test. That person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him, who love him. There is a breakthrough moment. I've told you that when Joy and I were dating, she didn't like me at first. I don't know why, but she didn't like me at first. So she decided that she would put me through some tests to see what I was really like. Because a charismatic person can be very charismatic, but the character can be a little shallow. You know what I'm saying? So everybody likes them immediately, but then they get below the surface. And that's some of you, you need to work on your character now is that some of us need to deepen our character. It was pretty shallow, I have to say. I could walk into a room and be real fun for about a minute and a half, but then you get beyond that, and, and so she put me through some tests. What I had to believe in my spirit, I had to believe that this test was gonna bring good results, that there would be, uh, someday there would be a payoff for this test. And thank the Lord, it paid off. Joy saw me through the test. When God takes you through a test, here's what you will experience. You'll begin to recognize that this test is going to shape and sharpen you. You're going to experience the presence of God in a grander way. Listen to me now. You'll, you'll begin to see the provision of God in a greater way. You'll begin to experience the peace of God in a genuine way way. You're going to begin to experience God's purpose in a clearer way in your life as you move through this test. This is why Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, because God is in this for you, and he's developing you. He's developing endurance, strength, enrichment, and endearment to him in a way that perhaps you've never known before. James 1, 4. Let perseverance finish its work. Don't cut it short. So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What has moved you when you've heard somebody's story? I love hearing people's stories. What moves us with testimonies? What, when we hear somebody share what they've been through, and then they stand and say, but praise God, he brought us through. It inspires us. Every great speaker has a story, personal story, that inspires you or they won't be a great speaker. 
Every story has a, uh, an awareness of that God is in process with me and he, through testing of my life, I've been tested. I lost my job, but then I see what God did. I didn't get that promotion, but look at God opened another door. Or we went through a real heartache in our family and look what God turned that into. It's a test, but there's always a reward. So simply says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Does that make sense now? You see what it, how it changes the, just reading it, you might get a little disturbed by it, but consider it pure joy. Why? Because God has a plan of shaping and sharpening you to be what he wants you to be. So you place your life in his hands. You pray about that test that you're facing. You, you begin to praise God in advance for what he's going to bring you through. And then you plan when it's all said and done, something good is going to happen out of this. In those moments of disappointment and maybe even a sense of defeat, you step back now and you say, oh, look it. I see God was at work all the time. My good friend uh, who pastored Beaverton Foursquare, Pastor Mel, wrote a book called God Works the Night Shift. Remember that book? If you haven't read it, it's worth reading. And Mel did a great job in outlining the fact that when we were in those dark moments, God was still at work Amen. doing something fabulous. So we arrive, my sister's in the hospital. They say she has a concussion, a punctured lung, multiple uh, bones that have been broken, and she's in an, a coma. They can't induce the coma, they don't, in fact, medically they were struggling. Do we induce to take away pain? Or, or what do we do? My mom sat by her side for 30 days, read scripture to her and played music. I've shared some of this already, but I'll just repeat the story a little bit. And um, we all prayed. We weren't sure she was gonna survive. Two of the uh, other individuals in the car didn't. And um, it was such a bad accident that even the first person on site was a volunteer fireman from our church that we grew up in. He didn't even recognize my sister and he didn't recognize the car until the ambulance drove away and he started looking at the car and then he realized the license plate and then he remembered that that was uh, from the church. And on the 30th day, Mary woke up from that coma. And the amazing thing is in those days, the Lord healed every bone in her body that was broken, healed her lung, and her concussion was gone, and she was clear. They got her up. Within a few weeks, she was playing the piano in her home and then at her church. They went on, in spite of all of this, to give birth to two boys, one who's preaching today as a pastor in, in the, the foothills of Sierra Nevada. They then decided that God wanted them to use the gifts that they had, and they uh, have raised over 100 foster kids in their home. And every Saturday at three o'clock, she loads up a trailer that they bought and designed it and dedicated it and painted it, put it behind their small SUV and they go into the part of their community where all the homeless live. And that girl right there, Mary, hands out sandwiches and soup 
to all the homeless people in Jesus' name. I think of what her life would have been without that experience. But every time I see her, I, in fact, yesterday I said, Mary, you're an angel. I couldn't do what you do. But God spared your life for a reason. He brought you through the most challenging test of your life. And now you're serving Jesus in a way that you never dreamed you would serve him. This shy, quiet, gracious young girl came through uh, an, an event in her life. And God took that test and turned it into a trophy. And he's going to do the same for you. I hope you're never hit by a train, honestly. I hope you never have something serious like that happen to you. But if you are in a trial or a test this morning, would you give it to God? Would you bow your heads with me even now? And remember the words, blessed, blessed is the one who perseveres under a trial. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here today who feel the weight of something going on in their life, in their family, maybe a conflict, maybe a, a, a heartbreak, maybe a division, maybe a, a loss. Lord, in the midst of that, I pray that the Holy Spirit would step into this room today and those that are watching online that are listening and minister the hope and healing that comes from you. Bring them through this test. Bring them through this trial. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And if you are here this morning, you've never surrendered your life to Christ, but you would like to. I want you to do something very bold. I want you to simply stand right where you are. You don't have to come to the front, but just simply stand and say, I'm giving my life to Jesus right now. Would you just stand all over the auditorium? That's it. Just go ahead and stand and let this be the day of a new beginning for you in your life. As I look across the audience, you feel free to stand right where you are and say, I'm going to give my life to Jesus this morning. I'm going to give my all to him. My life has been a mess. I need Jesus to help me. Father, would you pray this prayer aloud with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Lead me from this place forward. Forgive me of my sin and make my life count for you. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let's stand together, shall we? Hear me look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Hear me look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Hear me look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Oh, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I find my This is how I find my battles. This is this is how I find my battles. 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 It may look, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm
give the Lord a praise offering in advance. Amen. I, I am so anxious to hear your story of what God brought you through in the midst of your biggest tests in life. And that when you go through tests, remember to know that God is going to give you a victory. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace in your coming and going. When you go through those doors, may you know you don't go by yourself. You go with him. And if God's for us, Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. This is how I find my battles. 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 This is how I find my Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us for our live streams at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com.